0: No matter where you look, the term influencer marketing is being tossed about with sometimes reckless abandon. But it doesn't always mean what you think it means or do what you think it should. But if that's the case, were you using it correctly in the first place? This week on the Telltale Podcast, we speak with three of Brisbane's brightest influencer marketing minds. Michaela Paul, the founder of influencer marketing business, Social Stylings. Victoria Harrison, managing director and co-founder of influencer marketing agency, The Exposure Co. And Danielle Lewis, chief executive and co-founder of influencer platform, Scrunch. Influencer marketing is a term de jour, but in reality, the tactic has been around for decades, if not centuries. The idea that brands or people who crave an audience piggyback off the people or things that already have an audience has potentially been around since Jesus allegedly walked the earth. But let's not get into that right now. Let's get into the podcast. This is Telltale. Welcome to Telltale, the podcast where marketers can learn from interviews with fantastic storytellers. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 18 of the Telltale podcast. I'm Kurt Sanders, I'm your host today. Not with us today is Brittany Dreghorn. She's back at the desk, cracking the whip, which is fantastic. But today's episode is extra special because we're doing our second panel ever, and it's an influencer marketing panel. With us, we have Michaela Paul, who's the founder of Influencer Marketing Business Social Stylings. We have Victoria Harrison back on the podcast. Welcome back, Victoria, uh, the co-founder of Influencer Marketing Agency, The Exposure Co. and the managing director of that business. And for the first time on Telltale, we have Danielle Lewis, CEO. And co-founder of influencer platform Scrunch, what a mouthful! <laughs> Welcome to the Telltale Podcast.
1: Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Let's kick straight into it, and feel free to talk as much or as little as you want. Although the more, the better. Um, the first topic I want to talk about today: are emerging trends in influencer marketing. Um, what I might do is start with you, Danielle. Oh, great. Um, what's what's going on? Like you know, influencer marketing is such a term de jour that we know it's been around for. Mm decades if not centuries. Jesus Christ might have been the first influencer ever. So where are we going? Let's not debate that. What are the emerging trends? Where do you see it Going now, yeah.
1: Well, look, I mean, the biggest thing that's blowing my mind at the moment is what people are actually using influencer marketing platform, influencer marketing in general, for. Um, So, we're working with a range of clients across different categories, and you know, each of them seems to pick up influencers and use them in completely different ways. Um, So, to give you some examples, we've got clients that, uh, you know, as a brand, they're not particularly good at creating content, so they're only using influencers to go out and create beautiful images of their product. Uh, We've got people that use them for amplification so to you know create images but then post it out and share with their followers in the hopes that their product will be purchased sure. um, but we've also got people using it um, to stimulate conversations as well so we've got uh, clients that use super super micro influences just to seed ideas, um, to participate in conversations, you know a brand might call out and say you know share your experience with XYZ um, and you know typically it's difficult to get consumers to tap in and Play a role in that conversation, uh, so they're using influencers that have you know one thousand to three thousand followers to actually start the conversation. Uh, which is super cool um, and we've got publishers as well that are actually just using influencers for amplification so just sharing out their content to try and get more readers so I guess that's a really interesting thing is there's not a one size fits all for influencer marketing it's really about um, understanding what the key objective is and, and who we can find that will, will help them out.
0: Yeah sure it's interesting that you say your, uh, your clients are breaking down not just the objectives but also almost breaking it down into niches of the service an influencer can provide so not going, I have X and I want you to push it through channel Y. They're actually saying, what's the how behind this? Like, how do we make this an engaging piece? Do you find, and feel free to jump in anybody, do you find um, that the channel is ever not used? As in, I just want... That influencer as a consultant, I guess, for my brand. Feel anyone jump in?
1: Totally, we see it all the time. People being brought on as creative directors, people being brought on, um, you know, just to appear in an advertisement, um, people to attend an event, people to just create content. All of that's happening outside the influencer's actual channel.
0: Yeah, sure. What about in your work, Michaela? How are you finding, you know, that kind of engagement with with your clients and the brands that they're working with?
2: Yeah, so there's been quite a shift I've seen with my own clients, um, we're not necessarily looking for the traditional beauty bloggers. I do work with a lot of fashion beauty businesses. Um, instead, we're tapping into bloggers as such, I would just call them bloggers or micro-bloggers on Instagram, who have a master following not because they have a website, but more so about their line of work. So for example, if I'm working with a skincare brand and their philosophy is really holistic, they're really about health and wellness. And we'll tap into a nutritionist or a dogo instructor who's got a massive Instagram following. Because not only are the consumers more likely to trust their recommendations, but also they're not oversaturated with other skincare brand content. So it seems more legitimate, and also they're generally more interested in learning more about the brand, and they're actually quite flattered when we do contact them because they're going, Oh, this doesn't actually happen to me. This is awesome. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I've also seen some of my other clients, they've actually brought on influencers to write magazine articles for them. So when they've been tapped and they're trying they don't really want to put out a piece of a magazine that's just fluff and all about them, they actually want someone else to write it. So they'll bring on an influencer and not only helps that influencer's own own profile, but also it showcases a brand in a different light that's a bit more genuine.
0: Yeah, it's good to hear that um, influencer marketing is not just being used as a channel, but also as a thought leadership platform, right? Um, Victoria, anything to add across emerging trends as well from your end?
3: I guess the thing is, um, as clients are becoming more and more educated, I guess influencer campaigns are just getting bigger and better. Mm-hmm. So we can look across different channels now. Yes, we can take the influencers offline, have them attending events and really just becoming brand ambassadors. Sure. So it's not just about that one influencer with the one post. It's engaging them for you know multiple engagements and ongoing um, conversations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, an influencer piece that I was involved with um, a couple of years ago, we actually held for meals for our influencers before we even engaged them from a channel perspective because we wanted them to buy into what we were get what we were going about. Right. So um, having them as you know, sitting down with us for a dinner and it was, you know, beautiful and everything and, you know, <laughs> delicious. But, um, you know, like getting them to buy in and actually become what you say are ambassadors rather than just influencers, mm-hmm. I think is really, really quite vital. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would like to ask um, is going further, taking them further into that influencer slash thought leadership slash, you know, brand ambassador how hard is it to, I guess, or how hard is it for a brand to let go of the message and the control? Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's obviously an issue for a lot of people. I'm on the other end, I think, you know, go for it. But, you know, how do your brands and your clients deal with that? You might...
1: Get back, Danielle. Yeah, so we, we typically deal with two ends of the spectrum. Um, either the brand that wants the final sign-off and approval on every last word <laughs> yep. that the influencer will post, um, and brands that are a little bit more flexible and do want to leave that kind of creative control to the influencer. Um, you know, we're happy to work in, in either direction. I guess our opinion on the matter is it tends to um depend on the industry category. So if you're working with an alcohol brand, we do have to be a little bit sensitive about what does get posted. Sure. Um, or if there are any sort of legal requirements in that industry, I'm totally on board with getting things approved. Um, what we like to do is just brief really thoroughly in terms of the campaign objectives, the key messaging, um, the general look and feel, and then hand over creative control so so that you do actually tap into what influencers are great at, which is you know being creative and coming up with a, a better idea um, for that image or that um, blog article or whatever it might be but that it is still on brand and that it's still getting the message and the the key driver across.
0: We're here at Lightroom in Fortitude Valley and it is bring your dog to work day. So if you can hear the barks in the background, they're extremely cute. Not taking away from Danielle's point though. I totally agree. Um, Victoria, we talked about this the last time you were on the podcast, talking about that creative control and talking about how brands need to kind of let that go. Um, What kind of damage can be done to an influencer and their audience by a brand pushing it too far?
3: Yeah, well, I I mean, influencers have followers because their followers love what they post. So they love their content that they're creating on a daily and weekly basis. So I guess if we um, have too much control over the sponsored post... Um, the followers just aren't going to believe that post and it won't have that impact that their other posts have. So I guess it's in the brand's best interest to actually just give that creative control to the influencer and let them do what they do best. Um, As Danielle said, of course, you know, you have campaign requirements, you have hashtags and Things like that, um, but in terms of writing captions, that's
0: a big no-no for us. Yeah, sure. Um, the other thing I just like to, to the other thread I'd like to pull before we move on is talking a little bit more around um, when when you approach an influencer and you talk in campaign speak, So from because I'm a content marketing specialist, like we talk, we call campaigns the dirtiest word there is. You know, like we're not about <laughs> campaigns; we're always there, twenty four seven. We never stop. Um, What examples can you give of brands, and um, Michaela, we could start with you, uh, around brands that have bought into an always-on process with influencer marketing, rather than saying, okay, I've got 10 grand, I'm going to go for two weeks, and that's it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, any examples you can think of where that's worked really well?
2: Um, I mean, there's not really anything coming to mind at this stage, but I do know that there's a lot of big brands out there who do put a lot of effort into constantly being on brands like, I guess, Frank Body would be a good example. They're constantly pushing out content. They're really, really strict about making sure that they are consistent. And also they have quite a large cult following at the moment. And I think that's really the power with most of those brands that get Instagram famous and have a really large following across social media is that they've built a community around their brands and they've used influencers to help them to build that community. Sure.
0: Um, Jump in, guys. Same question.
2: Yeah, I mean, the brand that comes
3: to mind for me is uh the teeth whitening high smile or hello mm. a smile both of yeah. them actually they are just on with influencer marketing and you can really tell that they're seeing results from it sure. um so actually i was listening to a podcast um one of the co-founders he was saying that not every influencer is going to work but you figure out the ones that are going to work and engage similar ones and you'll just see results from there. So sort of be patient with your campaigns, Mm. do a bit of testing and then just go hard with the ones that are working.
0: Yeah, and you can probably see that a great pattern emerge from say using an anchor and then having the peripheral ones and you can almost see it planning out from starting with like oh we'll try it for two weeks you can see it rolling out again and again and again and just having make sure you have that always on voice Danielle, well I
1: think that that's a really key point that sometimes people forget about influencer marketing is that influencer marketing is kind of the same as every other advertising channel you when you do a Google ad, on day one, you don't get the results that you think that you're gonna get. You have to test copy, you have to test images, you have to test audience targeting. Influencer marketing is exactly the same. The first influence you work with may be a huge success, but may not and you need to really um, understand and optimize and, and do uh, an always on strategy is absolutely fabulous because it gives you that flexibility to be always optimizing and figuring out You know what influencer category works for me, what size influencer works for me, what type of content resonates and what channel resonates so that you can then really pinpoint what works for you as a brand and do more of that to get better results. Yeah, and having that
0: wider data set is so valuable mm. for other things as well, not just for influencer marketing. Let's move on. Um, maybe a contentious uh, uh, subject. How will the Instagram promoted post tag affect influencer marketing? So if anyone doesn't know this, uh, Instagram is planning to roll out a little is it sponsored post or promoted mm. post or something um, over the top of you know, influencer marketers and people who are considered influencers. Um, Victoria, Hmm. what are your thoughts?
3: I really don't have a problem with it. I mean, we're already saying, um, you know, hashtag sponsored, hashtag ad. And I think it comes down to the point that if you're engaging the right influencer who actually believes in that product or service, um, that their followers are going to, you know, take their word for it and believe that they took on that engagement because they truly did see the benefit in that brand, so yeah, I mean, I do not have a problem with it at all. I totally agree. I think that um, you know we un-
1: we kind of underestimate consumers a little bit. I think that they are used to being advertised too. Um, I think that you know even what's really interesting is we've seen um, obviously the use of the hashtag ad has just sort of happened, but we've worked with a lot of influencers historically that have always done that. They've always said it's gifted or sponsored or whatever. Well, it makes and sense, right? It makes a ton of
0: sense. Totally be yeah.
1: transparent with your audience. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is those influencers tend to have re- still really high engaged followings because they're being truthful. They're saying, hey, I'm this is my job. I need to be paid and I'll let you know when I am.
2: So I think that it's only a positive thing. Exactly.
0: Yeah, your thoughts with Kayla? Um,
2: and I mean, this is already happening on YouTube. You can already tick a little box that says this post, this video is sponsored. So I'm not surprised that Instagram has started doing this. I do think it's going to be quite helpful for both brands and the influencers because it's just going to make everything quite open and really easy. They're not going to have to remember to add in those hashtags. And I mean, if that influencer is not doing too much paid advertising, then obviously people are still going to think that it's quite authentic and um, it's really coming from a place where they're being truthful. It's just the fact that they have to add in that they've been gifted. Because it is really important, I think, for consumers to know that, that they're not just being told that they use it.
0: Yeah, sure. And as a content marketer, I might internally, I'm like, bring it on. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm good enough to create the content that'll resonate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would, and if I were an influencer, which I'm not, but if I were an influencer with a massive audience on, on any platform, I would be doubly so. I would be, you know, like I can, I can kill this. This is going to be fantastic. I think it'll
3: be good because it'll differentiate the good influences from the bad influences. Yeah. And then the ones, the influencers with sponsored posts on every post, yep. people yep. will stop following them because you know they're not adding any value um, to their
0: followers. feed. Yeah. So that's a good point. And maybe actually we could pick that thread a little bit more. Tell me about some of the stories maybe some of the horror stories that you've not necessarily worked with, but maybe that you've seen from that level, like, you know, someone who's killed off their audience. We might start with you, Danielle, if you can think of any.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I don't want to name names. No, <laughs> no but also maybe the why. Maybe the why behind
0: it as well, like yeah, why it happened. Yeah.
1: yeah, definitely. And there's sort of two sides to it as well. It's not only the relationship with their audience, but it's also the relationships with brands and potential future brands um, as well. Because um, we've definitely had instances where we had um, a contract signed with an influencer and they posted a competitor's product the day before they were due to post. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and obviously then we have to withdraw what we're doing but obviously it leaves a bad taste in the mouth for us for the brand that we're working with Mm -hmm. um, all of those types of things so I think that you know, um, influencers do have to be a little bit careful because I guess the thing is they need to think about themselves as a business mm-hmm. um, so we're kind of thinking from the brand side and it's all very strategic and, and blah blah but I think from the influencers point of view they, they have the same challenges so they really need to think about you know what content they produce that drives engagement within their audience because they need to keep them happy but how do they actually pick and choose the brands that are going to align to that how do they um, you know create great relationships with brands so that it isn't just a one time post it is actually a longer term engagement as well. So yeah. I think it's, and I just think there's, you know, there's not a lot of education out there for influencers either. So, um, and, you know, I guess we all play a bit of a role in that too in helping them understand what expectations there are when they get engaged in a sure. campaign or a post or whatever it might be.
3: Yeah, sure. What about you, Victoria? Um. Yeah, I mean, there are so many bad <laughs> influencers <laughs> We all have our blacklists. (laughs) There are so many. I mean, it's so easy to become a so-called influencer. I mean, you can go and buy followers. Mm. You can go and buy likes. Mm. Um, It's just a matter of, you know, weeding those influencers out because they are just not going to do anything for the brand. And I think that's sort of what um, frustrates me a little bit um, when – brands do engage these sort of influencers mm. who, you know, don't give that return um, and then it's sort of tainted influencer marketing in general for them or they've seen another brand engaging these influencers mm. um, and it just it just won't work Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: sure. Yeah.
3: I think it's about being conscious about the data behind an influencer.
1: I think that that's something that mm-hmm. um, brands need to really think about. Like, you know, I hear a lot, oh, we should work with that, Instagrammer. why? Oh, oh, because my boss follows her. Yeah. Well, that's probably not going to drive the campaign objectives. So I think that you know we there is a little bit of care that needs to be taken in to understand what those markers are of an influencer that's potentially um, ruined their relationship with their <laughs> audience. Um, so, and there are some key things that they can look at. So it's probably just about educating brands as well as to you know what these influencers do look like that um, don't have highly engaged audiences. Mm. Or what are some living? of the key
0: metrics from a data standpoint that's more businesses can look at let's just say they don't have the money to come and engage guys like you like what what are they looking for
1: um so one of the easiest ones is just engagement rate. so um, basically looking at a influencers followers um and then how many engagements they get on an image um, so, if it's very low compared to their followers, um, you know, there's potential that they're producing content that their followers don't like anymore, mm-hmm. or that they've got fake followers because um, they're not engaging. Um, that can probably be the easiest one that does require a little bit of calculation, but it's sort of a nice, mm-hmm. nice telltale sign. Do
0: you guys break that down on a post level, or do you aggregate the total posts and use engagement off that?
1: Uh, so, we do 30 days history. Sure. Yeah, okay. I
2: definitely think it's worth looking at the most recent because mm. as their community yeah. grows, their engagement rate will change. Of course, exactly. Of course, yeah. I think comment
3: sentiment as well is another big one for oh. us. So, actually, looking at their comments, um, having a bit of a stalk and figuring out if those comments are actual, actual Could real people, people. Yeah. comments,
2: especially with the rise in comment pods being so exactly. popular on Instagram. I think it's really important that. You check that it isn't the same people commenting on every single post. Mm. Because there are so many comment pod groups on Facebook, mm. on Instagram, and even in blogger communities, they'll help each other out, which I mean is good in theory. But if you're a brand and you're looking at those comments, you know that they're not from consumers. And if it isn't consumers commenting, then how do you know you're actually going to get any results?
0: Yeah, right. they all fantastic advice there um also just any tools you can think of that can help them look look at these things and, and we're talking we know we've got
1: amazing one called scrunch yeah we are it's time for the plug it's time for the plug i wouldn't have done it no but no. do tell us a little bit about
0: it because i mean you know obviously scrunch isn't the only platform they that can use but no. saying that saying that like you know, Scrunches are, is a homegrown product here in Brisbane, right? And it's something that, you know, small businesses should be looking at if they're going to go down this path, right? So, And I say that, this isn't sponsored at all, um, but I say that because there is too much spray and pray with every kind of marketing. So, yeah. you know, have a look at Scrunch, have a look at Rival IQ, have a look at these tools that that can break down audiences and break down competitors and find out where, where you know where they're going. But um yeah like sorry, I've plugged it for you so that's We might move <laughs> oh, on there. Yeah.
1: Okay, okay later. Like, yeah no, no, no we don't accept payment. No, yet, no, our no. podcast.
0: And now a note from our sponsor. No yeah. Um, we want to finish up with this last topic and we've already touched on it um, with you Michaela talking about moving away from Instagram. So there's probably a bit of a habit of thinking Instagram as soon as someone mentions influencer marketing. There's obviously a ton of social media platforms but it's also not just about social media, right? So where where are we going? Where else can we go, Michaela?
2: I think it's really important to consider who your target market is as a brand because obviously with Instagram's user base, the majority of users, in Australia particularly, are between the ages of 18 to 34. So if that is your target market, then you should be looking at Instagram. But if you're trying to target younger, maybe you're a makeup brand, maybe you are a tanning brand, look to influencers on Snapchat. It's far more authentic, it's really in the moment, that's a, blo- a growing platform I should say, and. If you're targeting the older demographics, maybe a lot of your target market are corporates. Then look for corporate influencers on LinkedIn. Like it doesn't have to be a blogger. It could be someone who is a person of influence in their industry, and the people who are following them have a shared interest.
0: Sure. Okay. That's that's awesome advice, um, Victoria. Any experience you can add here? Yeah,
3: it's just definitely not a one size fits all with the social channels. Um, it just totally depends on your target market and who you're targeting. So.
0: And the intent, right? Exactly. The, intent of the market, yeah.
1: I think it's always, um, you know, good advice just to what's the campaign objective. So just thinking about that at the very start, target market. You know, what do we actually want the outcome to be? Is it click throughs? Mm-hmm. Is it sales? What is it? Um, and that tends to drive the influencer
0: choice and the platform choice. Yeah, sure. And I, I think, like, lots of brands, like, we obviously push brands towards content creation and content documentation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them will go, Well, I want a blog. I don't want a blog. So, that, and, and I like it's, it's sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not. But there are ways you can amplify your own blog by using someone to write for you. Like, that's mm-hmm. technically influencer marketing. It's not really? all about the platform. It's, you know, you can create stories with other people and, and, and host those and own those stories. So I think, yeah, I think there is an error moving straight towards Instagram. I, I honestly think that's probably overblown. Um, What we might do is one final question for each of you, and we'll start with you, Danielle. If you have one tip for marketers considering influencer marketing, what would it be?
1: Uh, So I think it goes almost back to the last question. It's just really take a step back and think about your objectives um, before you choose any
0: influencers
3: and you'll have a better likelihood of success on your campaign.
0: Awesome. Victoria?
3: Yeah, so then once you've set those goals, then make sure you do your research into the influencer
2: and really figure out which one's right for you.
0: Sure. Michaela?
2: I think what I would recommend them to do is to think about what they want the outcome to be. So make sure that if they're giving them a set sentence that they should add into their caption, that it's actually going to help them to achieve their goal. Whether it's to sell more product, whether it's to get more people in store or at an event, it's really important to consider what you want the outcome to be so that you can give them a really good brief that's going to make sense for
0: that. Yep, start at the end. I'm a huge fan of that. Start at the end and work backwards. Michaela Paul from Social Stylings, Victoria Harrison, The Exposure Co., and Danielle Lewis from Scrunch. Thank you for being on the Telltale podcast. Thank you. No problem at all. Thanks for coming along. And I'm Kurt Sanders. We're here every week. Remember, people tell your brand tale. Telltale is part of the Content Division podcast network. You can subscribe
2: on iTunes or stream it from the contentdivision.com.au forward slash podcast.